How are we doing? Good morning. Uh, I'm going to start off with a confession, and hopefully uh, they say that if you confess, it will draw people to you. All right? So this is my effort, uh, some vulnerability to win y'all over to my side. So um, just going to be transparent about it. Um, sometimes we pastor types don't have everything figured out. Okay, that went over pretty well. <laughs> um, or sometimes we pastor types come to a topic with a predisposed idea or notion or attitude. So, let me ask you this. Have you ever had an experience with something, be it a, a person, a story, a movie, a restaurant, a preacher, that then jaded you in such a way that from then on, you kind of carried that around in your back pocket with a little bit of sarcastic negativity. Come on, y'all do Yelp reviews all the time. You go to restaurants and say, don't ever go there again, and all that. So, I had an experience, and I'm going to tell y'all about it about halfway through my sermon, as a teenager growing up in, uh, outside of Houston with the Holy Spirit that... Uh, We'll just leave it at that. So today is a convergence of a couple of different things. It is uh, Memorial Day. That's uh, a secular holiday of America. And over here we have Pentecost, which is in part a part of uh, two intersecting religious holidays. Uh, Christian Church, which this is 50 days after Easter. This is the seventh Sunday after Easter. And... Um, it happens to fall on a Jewish festival holiday in which that was the very first harvest of the spring. And it was also considered a pilgrimage holiday, which meant everybody from all the furthest reaches did what? Loaded up the kids, minivan, went to Jerusalem. So they all were there. It, was, it probably expanded, exploded the population tenfold. Okay? So just imagine scores of folks, because that was what you were supposed to do. You were, supposed to go back to the temple and give thanks. So that is the setting. Now what I want you to do is think about the early days of the disciples who um, we know when they followed Jesus, they didn't always have it all figured out. They had different expectations of who he was and what he was there for and what he was all about. And there were numerous times that Jesus would teach or preach to them and to all listeners and say things that were uh, both uh, in that moment as well as the moment to come. So imagine yourself, have you ever been to a, a, a sermon or a lecture or presentation in which the person did a really good job but you didn't get it? Did you ever do that? Like I did that with most college level math. I went to a liberal arts little school and they finally had like math for dummies. Have any anybody else ever? Anyway, yeah. It's kind of embarrassing to raise our hands, isn't it, Diane? Um, anyway, didn't always get it. I think that's sometimes how the disciples were. Didn't always get it. But there is a large ramp up to the Holy Spirit. So this morning, just buckle up. I'm gonna, it's going to be Doug's reading time. I'm going to read you some texts that begin to kind of lay the foundation of Jesus teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. Okay? First one comes out of the book of John, and this is shortly after Jesus' resurrection. It's one of the very first sightings in which Jesus 
uh, goes back and has community time with the followers. It's John 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So listen in verse 21. He said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He might, not to tell Jesus what he should have said, but he might should have said, hey, listen up, I'm about to send you. Again, they were just so overjoyed. There's Jesus, probably not real sure what he's talking about. I do wonder if in that moment they had recall of, hey, you know this Holy Spirit thing? He's, he's, it seems like he's brought that up before. Y'all remember that? John 14 says, very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That will be the spirit of truth. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. I have much more to say, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Hmm. Can you imagine? Because, you know, the, the disciples did not know the end of the story yet. They, they were in a figuring it out stage. And so when he talks about going away, this is pre-crucifixion, and I'm not going to be with you. The Father's going to come. Can you only imagine a little bit of their, like, what's he talking about? Am I supposed to know what he's talking about? Did I miss a class? What's, what's going on here? So now we're going to turn to the book of Luke. I mean, the book of Acts, written by Luke. And here we begin to see their account of how things unfolded, okay? So Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Did you hear that? Instructions to the Holy Spirit. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. But John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, just now as I'm, as I'm reading this for the umpteenth time, it's like, um, hey guys, you need to pay attention because I've told you about this a number of times, and this shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm going to uh, leave you with the Holy Spirit. I love how he's like, you probably didn't get it, but. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, again, they're still not, they're not getting it. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has sent by his own authority. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that was the first kind of pin drop, if you would, of, um, on the map, on the Google map of, now where are we supposed to go? It says, uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, because, well, where are they? They're hanging out in Jerusalem. Remember, they had to go there and stay. So they're in Jerusalem. And the next circle out of uh, geography was Judea, and the furthest circle out was Samaria. So he's beginning piece by piece to say to them, you, you're going to go on a mission. You're going to go and do things. You're going to do things even greater than I did. So here we are the morning of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, Greek and Hebrew tongues alike. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. Why were they there? They were there for the big festival. From every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each hears them in our native language? Can you imagine? Like, what's going on here? What's going on here? They were speaking, those who were listening, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, even, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God, each in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what in the world's going on? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, well, they've just had too much wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. They had too much wine. So that little geography lesson right there at the end, what that's about is those in that time were all the known places in the universe. All the known pinpoints to all of the map. So how is that symbolic? It's symbolic because what is about to happen is the church is going to grow and grow where? Everywhere. The key answer is everywhere. So in the big scheming of things, what I want you all to hear is Pentecost is a big deal. You can put that in your notes, Pentecost dash, big deal. In the, in the order of things, uh, and I don't know that these are kind of fluid. You've got the birth of Jesus. Would we all agree that's a big deal? Yes, you can say yes out loud. Yes. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus, big deal? Yes. The birth of the church that impacted the entire world, the whole globe of ever and ever. Is that a big deal? Yes. All right. So it's a big deal. Barbara Brown Taylor, a, a, a preacher who's a great preacher, said it this way. She said, it is the day the doubting, fearful, stumbling group of disciples became the very people who would change the world. The birth of the church began. A day that captured the hearts and souls of all uncertain followers. 
again, it's a big deal. A part of that big deal is the movement of the Holy Spirit, which is God at work in us. The question I have for us this morning is, um, is God still at work in us? Or was that a Bible story that really makes for a lot of really pretty banners and songs? And Karen used to do this thing where she would come in here, do y'all remember this, and with doves on a stick? And then finally one day, one of the doves broke its wing, and it just was a, it was a sad little mess. She always wanted to bring those doves out, y'all. We were like, Nick say the doves. All right. Here's where I'm going to tell y'all a story, and it's an honest-to-gosh, it's not a preacher-made-up story, this is a real-life story, about uh, little Dougie Meyer. Uh, I was 12 or 13-ish. I was growing up in a United Methodist Church called Old River Terrace. You can Google it. Old River Terrace, United Methodist Church. It's on the east side uh, of Houston, between Houston and uh, Baytown. We got any people that know I-10 going east? Any in the house? I'm sorry. Uh, so as you leave Houston, you go through, it's a very uh, blue-collar working class, we're going to keep the port alive, we're going to keep the refineries going, kind of folks. Um, good people. So um, this particular summer, we, had a, uh, we brought in a new youth director. Back in that day, little churches couldn't hire, afford to keep a youth director all year long, so they would just pick up a college kid for the summer and bring him in. So uh, this particular year, we had a young man, his name was Bruce, from Oral Roberts University. Uh, a good guy. Um, his theology, though, was not necessarily uh, hand in glove with Methodism. But when you're 13 and you're just hanging out in youth group, you don't even know how to spell theology, you don't care about theology, you just care about the next trip to Astro World or some fun thing like that, right? Well, so this particular summer, our church was kind of going through a, uh, what some might call a spiritual awakening. And again, I didn't know what that meant. I was just going to go to youth group. And uh, he was here to help all of the youth get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, I, all right, sure. Okay, I'll get baptized with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, but when you're 12 and 13, what is it that you are prone to do? If your best buddy does it, what do you do? Yeah, sign me up. So one particular Wednesday night at uh, Bible study, it was the night that we were all going to get prayed over and get what they called uh, slain in the spirit. I'll tell you about, the, my, about that in a minute. Um, when some people pray in some traditions, uh, it is not uncommon for a person to just be so overwhelmed they fall over or pass out. It's a real deal. I'm not trying to make fun of it in any way. But in that day and time, I didn't have a clue what it was. I just knew when somebody prays for you, you're supposed to fall down. So it was my turn, and all the youth leaders were around me. They had their hands on me, on my head, and I'm just standing there. I'm 13 goober years old. You don't know what 13. I was pray they were praying, and they kept praying, and they kept praying. I was like, we got to wrap this up. Nothing's I don't know if I'm supposed to get weak in my knees. I don't know what's supposed to happen. So I just fell over. I just, I just fell down. I made a choice. I just, I fell down. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess I was slain in the spirit. Oh, wow, Doug Meyer was slain in the spirit at Bible study. Yeah, yeah, sure I was. And then we left and went to, you know, Baskin Robbins or something like that. But I didn't, 
What I want you to know is I felt like I was a part of a, a theatrical moment. I was not allowing the Holy Spirit to move in and through my life. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. So a couple of weeks go by, and this particular night, we're going to uh, speak in tongues. Like, oh, okay. And uh, I had been introduced to that a couple of times earlier. Remember, I told you our, our church was kind of undergoing this kind of charismatic wave that was coming in and through. It was kind of spooky to me. I always thought it was like, woo, 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 woo. And uh, so it was my turn, same routine, hands, prayer, me. And um, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Is it supposed to just like start coming out of me involuntarily? And the prayer kept going, prayer kept going. So I just was like, all right. And I just kind of made up some gibberish. I know, I feel bad about it now. Uh, and uh, they all said, oh, Doug Meyer spoke in tongues. Like, yeah. I don't, no, I didn't really. I just made it up so we could move on and get, get going. Um, so then the summer ended and the youth minister moved away and we didn't speak in tongues anymore and we weren't slaying the spirit anymore and life went on and I went to high school. Um, here's why I tell you that story. That uh, imprinted upon me a, uh, a bad experience, a negativity and a sarcasm that all of that stuff attributed to the Holy Spirit is just a bunch of woo-woo. And so every time from then on, my little uh, Dougie Meyer brain went back to that and was like, I, I just, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Sounds good for other people. It sounds good, but I'm going to kind of just move on. And at times I find, um, I don't know, it's not comfort, but I like thinking I have things figured out. So if it's hard, I go to my head. And if I can, I will kind of academically, clinically think it and go, okay, I can get my head around that now because I have read everything to read, I've studied it, I've da 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 da. I never could quite get there with this Holy Spirit. All right, pause. One day we're planning worship months ago, and we go through these cycles, y'all know, and themes and all this and that. And so we were coming up into May. And, uh, you know, back, remember, we had Mother's Day, then we had Senior Sunday, and then we had Today. And Daniel said, hey, Doug, would you preach on May the 28th? Well, I said, sure, long before I read what today was about. Have you ever committed to something before you read the whole email? I have a reputation here of not always reading to the very end of an email. So apparently he mentioned in the email it was going to be about the Holy Spirit. Because if, if I had known that, then I would have been sick today. I would have already known, I, I think I'm going to have a flu that day. Because uh, I so badly didn't want to get tangled up with the Holy Spirit. Well, a couple weeks ago when it was just continuing, you know, dates just come on, whether you want them to or not, right? Dates just keep coming. It's like, okay, you better start getting your act together for this Holy Spirit sermon. And I had a moment, somewhat maybe from the Holy Spirit, of conviction that I needed to uh, have a, a new moment with the Holy Spirit. I needed to check myself, do what I could to let go of my negativity and my sarcasm, and imagine this, this question I like to ask a lot, what else could be true? What else could be true? And so I started uh, perusing and reading, and you know, the internet, y'all have heard of the internet, right? Man, you can learn more about a subject 
than you will ever, that more than your brain can hold. And uh, there is a lot of stuff out there about the Holy Spirit. And I kept reading it, and um, there was one particular uh, author one day that used a phrase, the Holy Spirit for him was the empowering presence of God. The empowering presence of God. And it was like, I, I can go there. I can get my head around the Holy Spirit empowering me through his presence. Totally believed in that. Totally, yes, amen. And then that author began to entertain the notion that it's in and through that empowering presence that a still small voice speaks into our lives in amazing ways and gives us uh, courage, gives us hope, gives us things that we could do that we would uh, never, ever have imagined that we could have done. So uh, this really kind of just swept me away, and I thought, I wonder what those might look like in my life. So I sat in my office and quietly began to just contemplate and ruminate what might have been those moments. And I'm going to list some of mine that came to my mind, but what I really want you to think about, have there been in your life moments that you knew that you did something that was beyond what you thought you could have done? Have there been moments when you said, did, didn't say, didn't do something that when you were done went, man, I never, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think I had that in me. I have a couple. Um, when I said yes to God to become a pastor, I was actually uh, packed and ready to go to Stephen F. Austin and be a lumberjack. And um, go for, can y'all see me being a lumberjack? Uh, I would have been the biggest wussy lumberjack. They would have rolled me out of town on one of those uh, trucks. But I was all set. And uh, I had an experience to go visit a small college in Louisiana that in part had an undergraduate degree that prepared people to go and be pastors. And so by the time I went and did that, came home, had gotten accepted, got a full ride scholarship, I was going to go now. I said, yes, yes, I'll go do that. Funny thing uh, is I had all these, uh, like, let's imagine that you make, <laughs> I had a contract with God, but it had a whole bunch of asterisks at the bottom. God, I will go and be, I call, I, that day I just called, I'll be a youth pastor. I really did dig youth group. We had a great youth group. I, I can do that. Man, we can do great youth group. But I'm not going to marry people. Certainly won't do, I won't bury people. No, no, no. I really would rather not preach and I don't ever want to go on a mission trip. I remember signing that. I don't know that God ever signed that. Because I have since then married people, buried people, preached, some call it preaching, uh, gone to two different mission trips, to the furthest reaches of where, like, I didn't go on a mission trip to Destin, Florida. I didn't go on a mission trip to, like, the Rocky Mountains. I went to a mission trip in the jungles of Belize with an eye team that went and put up a, a clinic, and I stood there helping just hold things while they operated on people's eyes in the jungle so they could see again. Every bit of that it was out of my comfort zone. Every bit. Sleeping on the ground, battling mosquitoes, eating weird food, you name it. None of that 
would little Dougie Meyer have ever raised his hand to go and do. But one day I said, yeah, I think I'll go do that. So I survived. Y'all, we ate some weird food. Um, that's another day. Same thing, I came to Treach, been here a couple of years, and some folks said, hey, you know what, we have this cool mission in, in uh, Mozambique. Why don't you go with us? I'm like, no, that's under the contract. Me and God have no Africa trips. <laughs> I went to Africa. It blew open my mind of the world and the universe beyond. Little Dougie Meyer in Channel View, Texas, never ever imagined that he would someday be standing in the jungles of Africa. Where did that come from? The empowering presence of God gave me the courage to go do that. See where this is going? Are you imagining conversations you've had, things you've done, things you haven't done, times you've said yes to something, you're like, did I, did I just say that? Did I think it also is in smaller, quieter ways when there's a group of us guys who go down about once a quarter and visit a gentleman from our church who is in federal prison in the panhandle. Never ever in my whole life would have ever thought I would have walked in and sat in a prison and prayed with some guys. I just wasn't my MO. I was, well, again, courage from who? Empowering presence of God. The day I parked my car at a church far away because I didn't want to be known and walked into a recovery meeting. What gave me the courage to do that? The empowering presence of God. So, now's your turn. Think about in your life where and how and when has the empowering presence of God showed up. Maybe in uh, that time you went and mended fences with a friend who you thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resent this friend to the end of my life because of what he or she said or didn't say or did or didn't do. Maybe you offered the hand of forgiveness. Maybe you went and said, I did you wrong. I'm really sorry. Will you please forgive me? And you enabled that moment to happen. Maybe you were a part of a bigger cause of folks who came together dead set on not doing one thing, but as they sat and talked about it and prayed about it, the collective said, no, I think we, I think we can do this. And that, matter of fact, I think not only can we, but we should do this. Maybe you were part of a conversation that changed a person's heart from uh, thinking these are people we don't like to thinking these are people we all love and like. As a matter of fact, we are called to love and like all God's children. So um, put me down next year for Pentecost. I think I'll do it one more time. And I would encourage you Sometime today, maybe later, because it's a big thing to ask, God, where do you need me to go or do or be or say? Where might you open yourself to the empowering presence of God? What do you think? Are y'all on board? Yes. <laughs> All right, so y'all did a little better than the 930. When I said that at the end of the 930, y'all, there was like crickets. There was not one person ready to come to the altar. There was not one person ready to go, me, send me. So, I know it's a big ask, 
challenge you to think about where God, how God, who God is the Holy Spirit waiting to move in your life. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, sometimes your Holy Spirit can be a big old scary thing. It calls us to do things that are so far outside our comfort zone we never could have imagined that we have done it. But you are present, walking alongside and guiding. Then other days it's a quiet little nudge, a warm feeling, a spirit that says, yeah, you need to go say you're sorry. Thank you, God, for the strength in all of our lives that help us do that. In your name, amen.